government coins, let's break it down so you understand. Shakia Hamza and Chris Lee can help you with a proper plan while walking through strategies in this valley of wealth. Take notes, sit back, and invest in yourself. Cause information that you're missing, it could cost you. It'll be adding up. Let them walk you through it. It's about time you start catching up. Learn to understand and apply. Let's get it going. Thanks for tuning in to the government coins. It's time to learn, y'all. What's up, everyone? Welcome back. Welcome back. We are on episode 11 of the Government Coins podcast. I am Shakia. I'm one of the hosts of Government Coins, and I'm also the founder and CEO of Govlier. Um, I'll join here with my two amazing co-hosts. I am Hamza Sabri, CEO founder of Globe Connects, and I'm one of the amazing co-hosts of Government Coins, the podcast, which is the number one government uh, contracting podcast in the U.S., and all the people that's tuned in today, please put all your ears on and put it, get your pen and pad because we're definitely about to share some valuable information. Awesome. And I hope everyone can hear me because I got my audio together. So everyone, my name is Chris Lee. I am the founder of um, The Black Bunker and also Chris Z Consulting and one of the co-hosts of Government Coins Podcast. So everyone, we had a guest who actually reached out to us and sent us an article. And the article talked about a group of Black women coming together, um, a group of Black women coming together to increase the amount of opportunities that they have access to. And we looked at it and said, oh, this is something that we are all about. So what we did was went ahead and reached out to the Bow Collective. And we are here uh, joined by Nicole and Stacey. Uh, Nicole is actually one of the founding members of the Bow Collective. Nicole, would you mind telling us a little bit more about yourself and then also about Bow Collective? Absolutely. Well, thank you guys. We are so excited uh, to be here. We're so proud um, of you all and the, the work, the amazing work you do in the space. Um, again, my name is Nicole Kober. Um, I am one of the 52 founding members of the Bow Collective. The Bow mm. Collective stands for Black Owner and Women's Collective. Um, we are 50 business owner businesses together and our annual gross sales are over 270 million. We really wanted to make impact together. A criteria for membership is that you have scaled your business to at least $1 million. And um, that's significant because we want to take uh, the argument of lack of capacity off the table. So when you're, when you're dealing uh, with these uh, levels uh, of success, right, um, we are in the top 0.5% of all small business. Uh, why is that? Well, um, 90 uh, plus percent of all businesses are solopreneurs. And then out of that, you have about 4% that actually meet the million dollar threshold. What does that mean? That, that tells you a little bit something about their bandwidth. So our sisters have all been in business as entrepreneurs at least 
um, five years. They have an average of five to 10 uh, team members. We are building these amazing companies in our own communities. That means that we're hiring um, African-Americans. We are um, helping African-American employees um, buy in their own communities. So the seismic effect of these businesses are stellar. Um, I will say because, um, but because we're on government coins that we have a, um, a fair majority of our members are government contractors. Uh, we are based out of Washington, DC, although we have national, uh, national members and states from as far as California to New York, but uh, we have a lot of government contract tractors who have navigated that space successfully. And my sister, uh, uh, my sister, sister Stacy uh, Redman is a an a, a amazing example of that. She is a, a seismic and serial entrepreneur who has grown companies into not 1 million or 10 million, but uh, dare I say over 100 million in government contracts. So the, the lessons that we have learned over the years, we are now sharing our resources coming together strategically, and we're trying to make a name for Black women um, in this space and create that pipeline of resources and relationships um, for, for Black women coming behind us. That's such a key point, and being able to be able to connect together to be your own resources. Like that's that's a, a huge undertaking, I'll put it that way. And also, uh, Stacy, would you mind telling us a little bit more about the work that you do as well? Uh, absolutely. Well, thank you so much again for having us here today. It's truly an honor to be here with my sister, Nick, uh, and being able to support that it's been truly an amazing experience and I can't wait to see the things that we're going to do. Um, so a little bit about me. So I've been actually involved in the federal government space for about 35 years now in uniform uh, in the military and as a civil servant and then later with industry. And as Nick mentioned, my government experience is pretty deep. Um, one of the companies that I founded, I was able to scale that company from startup to over $20 million in annual revenues in less than three years. Um, and over the course of 13 years, took that company to a, a little over in $200 million in revenue. Um, so that was exciting. And I've just acquired a new company um, in a different line of business. It's a it's an architectural millwork company. So we're doing some beautiful woodwork on both the commercial and the residential side. And I'm using this business uh, to really fulfill my passion, which is creating uh, meaningful employment opportunities for veterans and the formerly incarcerated and as well as the underprivileged. So I'm really excited to be able to take my business and as Nick had mentioned, how do we give back to the communities? How are we creating jobs in the communities um, and be able to do that and to be able to do it with my sisters. That's great and I would say, um, three, over a period of three years and hitting 100 million, uh, 20 million, then 200 million. 
That is absolutely insane. So kudos to you. And we will be talking after this. Most definitely. Um, definitely um, interested to know more about the the CJR company or the CJR group. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. So um, my company um, started out as Cobra Johnson and Romney. Uh, We are a business consulting uh, practice and we are very unusual in that um, can you get attorneys in the same room with land developers in the same room uh, with communication experts. Well, that's our firm. And we recently um, uh, split them up there, both very successful. So we have a CJR development um, firm. And my husband and I started our our company um, in 2015. Um, And we really kind of take stock in doing public-private partnerships. So again, bringing it back to government contracts, government coins. Our first project uh, was being uh, fee developers um, and with local municipalities to help Mm -hmm. them um, be land developers. How do you use, um, you know, tax credits, how do you look at land that's sitting there and maximize it so that you can have, uh, you know, amazing, affordable uh, property that teachers and firefighters and, you know, just hardworking people can afford and take pride in. And so that, that kind of collaboration is what our firm specializes in. Mm, That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so I, I've, I've been reading into your bio and the CEO of my soul. I, I just love the title of that book. Can you just share some insight on that? I would, I would love to. I would love to. Um, so I think the thing, uh, the, the biggest compliment that I've ever gotten is that I am the queen of the pivot game. All right. So mm. when I tell you I have had... Um, I, I just go for it. You know, if there's something that I like, I started my first career was as an attorney. I worked in a firm and I really hated it. And apparently they didn't like me too much either because they fired me from my first, you know, after four years. And I was like, you know what, am I going to do this all over again? Am I going to just work really hard at being mediocre because that's what I was doing. I was doing insurance coverage. It was just not my jam. It was not my jam. And so instead of, you know, going for the safe, I became an entrepreneur and my first business was a day spa and hair salon. And guess what the name was? You got it, Soul. It was okay. Soul Day Spa in Washington, D.C. We had two locations over 10 years. And I learned so much about business, like boots on the ground, um, how to how to do take my legal work and really make it work for me. So I did my trademark work. I did my business plan, got financing, all of the things that we as entrepreneurs know uh, very well. But I did it in a space that I loved. And after it closed, I realized that I, I love consulting. I really love helping people build things. I, um, I've been that way since I was a child. I just, I love putting stuff together. And now that book was what, uh, what I chose to write about was the 10 years of that 
putting the business together, running it and really losing it, right? Because as entrepreneurs, we are all serial entrepreneurs. We are all going through different things and phases in our business. And, and sometimes though the chapter of that business closes and you have to realize that your true power, the, the, the CEO of your soul is that you are the gift. The business is not the gift. You are the gift. And my faith tells me that God gave me the gift. And so I use that lesson to say, Yes, even though my business closed or even though I was fired or, you know, and, and different things, the gifts are still embedded within me to regenerate and to be the queen of the pivot. And that's exactly what I did. That led me to this consulting firm um, because I realized that I really enjoyed business. I really enjoyed cheerleading, motivating people and helping them with their business plan and, and all the different things that come along with entrepreneurship. and. And that's what being the CEO of your soul is, is that you let your soul, let your spirit direct your decisions. And I, and I definitely think that entrepreneurs do that on a daily basis. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. I love it. I love it. You, Nicole, you have competition. I'm going to say this to Hansel. Hansel has competition. And we might just have to pass the pastoral hat to Nicole um, for today's session because we have started this moment on a good note. And and honestly, Nicole, it couldn't you couldn't have spoken more to I think some of our journeys. I was also HR eight years, got a master's, go to you know Georgetown University. I used to live in DC, and then get fired. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. it does require a level of believing in yourself um, and understanding, like, you know what, I, I'm the actual gift. Like, I'm the one that was running the airport operations and making sure that everything, right? So it does require that in order to start business. Now, I am, like, invested at this moment with listening to Stacy and you, Nicole, um about you know the bow collective um and so the article that we read recently there are more than 50 of the top black women-owned organizations that come together to bid on contract opportunities is that is that what you all focus on or do you all do govcon you know like 60 percent gov 40 percent private like how does the collective work because that's essentially that's like, you know, what Deloitte founded is, you know, feed on or KPMG or Lidos. That is essentially the groundwork for some of these large consulting firms. So either Stacey or Nicole, like, what does that look like for Bo Collective? So I'll, I'll take that, Stacey. Um, a couple of things. You asked what we focus on. We really focus on three things for our members. I believe my members are my clients. I've, I see them as such. I want to scale their businesses and I want to do it in one of three ways, access to capital. So capital, communications, and contracts. All right. So what we're, what you touched on was only one of our three pillars. We have a, an amazing capital team that is trying to come together, bring banks to the table with our members, not necessarily in the aggregate, but we do say, hey, you're looking at 50 businesses that within four years, 
just generally have done a billion dollars, have pumped a billion dollars, not only into the communities, but into your banks. And not all of them have lines. So that's one fight that we do and we're doing it collectively because sometimes it's very intimidating, right? You get rejected, you're by yourself, even though you have one of the most successful small businesses, you're still getting denied. That's humbling, humiliating. And we're trying to bring our sisters together. So with, with that strength and comp confidence. The second pillar is the communications. Um, we want to, again, fight against the narrative, hey, we would really love to do business with you, but we just don't know where Black women businesses are. And if we do, oh, we just, we need to give you training, you know, because we got to give you all the training you can get because you just don't have the capacity to do business with us, right? So we want to say, hello, we're here. You're looking for not only Black businesses, but the, the top of the game, the top of our game, and we're doing it together. And then finally is contracts. And you asked a great question. Um, we are doing a both and, meaning we are focusing on the private space and we're focusing on the, um, the government space. We do, we're, we just got, it's hard to believe, we just got started in February, but we do have um, at least 10 different industries that are represented in the collective. Um, you have everything from physicians offices to IT companies, to land developers, to communications experts. And that's very powerful because not all of them, uh, I will, let, me, let me back up a bit. We have several government contractors. They're already successful, but they want help coming into the private space, right? So that argument is real sweet. Hey, I'm doing 10 million with DOD. I can definitely do what you need, Microsoft, right? That's the power of the collective, number one. Number two, yes, we do have groups within our collective, lots of communications companies, right? So part of the CJR group is a communications. We do web design, we do branding, we do the, uh, do the um, trademark work for, for different companies. But guess what? Now we're saying, okay, sisters, we want to go under, after a $50 million uh, contract with DOD. You're going to do the PR. You're going to do the branding. You're going to do the web development. Oh, you're going. we're going to pull that attorney's firm in. Y'all are going to do the trademark. That collective mindset is going to catapult us uh, to another level. We now know what our floor is. Our floor is what we can do by ourselves. Our ceiling is limitless because we have all of these people that are like knowing and trusting each other. And we're like, hey girl, I need, oh, I need, we have a cardiologist. Oh, my mama's sick. I, you know, that type of pick up the phone, amazing dynamic is, is just breathtaking to me. And, um, and we want it replicated. I want to see them win. I definitely want these groups to be able to scale. And once we have it within this year, we are gonna, we're gonna replicate it, share that secret sauce and take it around the country. I love it. Take it global. I love it. 
Amen. Yes, I'm, I'm, we, we do. We have we have um, uh, the continent of Africa. Oh my gracious, the work that we're going to do. So we that is definitely in our strategic plan to be sure. Awesome. So awesome. I'll be joining. I'll be joining the Bow Collective like as soon as we get off this phone. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's right. I'm like, right. what do you need? Am I talking terms? Like, <laughs> I love it. So, I yeah. love it. They, for the people that's viewing, they see the importance of being a part of a collective. It's, it's group, a group economics, group support, group help. So everyone plays a big role in these type of collective type of organizations. And I advise that, you know, people that's listening and tuning in to always uh, see uh, what information that you can seek out from joining in certain type of collectives that can help your business, especially being an aspiring entrepreneur. Um, I see a lot of questions within that I'm about to just skip because I love getting straight to the money. <laughs> right. And um, tell us how 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 um, or can your can your uh, your resources through this collective help uh, small businesses get access to capitals? That's just some of the major restraints from small businesses pursuing these certain type of government contracts that may be out of their own financial capacity. Um, how how can they able to uh, get access to financing for their contracts and stuff like that to give them more confidence of pursuing maybe contracts in the six to seven figure range? That's a great question. So I'm going to answer it a couple of different ways. I mentioned to you we have a capital subcommittee and that's um, that capital subcommittee is working in combination with our communications. We really um, are going to report out, meaning a lot of banks, um, financial institutions, they're very cagey about, okay, you got denied, but we don't know why. And this, you know, we're going to be transparent and we're going to say, even, you know, we do have several sisters that may not need lines, but we're all coming together and we're all going to apply for for something. But the most important part of this is the strategy of reporting out. Because do you want to be one of the banks that didn't lend to the top performing Black women businesses, small businesses in general? Do you want to be on that list? Do you not want to be on that list? So you could do the carrot or the stick, the carrot or the stick. Because we said, you know, I'm a, I'm a, at my core, I'm a communications person. I know how to shape narratives very effectively. So we could do this one. And I got kids too. So do not mess with a black mama. We can do it the easy way or we could do it the hard way, right? Either or. So that's one step because we believe that if we bring awareness to these members, that it is going to also help us help the people that are coming behind us, which leads to my next point. In addition to those 50, we have uh, another category of membership, our sister business owners. These are 10 businesses that are at 250,000 or higher. That's still only 1%. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, and we, we hate that. We want this number to scale. But what we're gonna do with these 10 is we're going to put together boards and our BOW members are going to serve on those boards, giving them relationships and resources to help get them to that number. I also want to say that, um, again, the awareness piece is so critical, right? Because if, 
if nobody is advocate, if we're not advocating for ourselves, it's going to be very hard for that, that startup business to get anyone to listen to them. I also I heard what you said about the, the actual cash. And the answer to that is the bow fund. All right. We also created this organization so that we can pool our money and get and have matching funds so that we can go out. We know where those amazing, exciting new businesses that no one else knows about, they're in our communities. We, we have our ear to the ground. And so we know we have to have our own money to fund. And, and, and it's the beauty, it's the both and. We're going after their money, we're putting our money, we're matching our money with their money. It's all about money. Like if, and, and we're unapologetic about trying to get all the money, <laughs> all the coins. So, you know, we're excited. I, and I'm only one, like, oh, me and Stacy are only two. We have 52 because we have co-presidents. Two of our firms have co-presidents. We have all this enthusiasm. We have all this power and we have all this love. It really is love. And I think that that is what we have to start seeing too. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm taking the mic a bit, but I, but I want to say that people, especially in business, it's like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to tell nobody my idea. I don't want to, oh, I got burned. You, you cannot approach and win by yourself. You just cannot. You can, you can get a little little traction, but if you want to explode, if you want to be a mogul, we have mogul mentality within our membership. And that's how can we partner? How can we partner? You don't see any other community doing things just by themselves. It is all, let me hook up so-and-so. Let me give so-and-so a loan. Let me give them a contract. But we are all clutching our pearls. Oh, I want to be, I don't want to, I don't want to be seen as, forget that. That's, and that's the one thing that I know all my sisters say is those rules don't apply to us. All the people at the top, the rules don't apply. You don't see them following them, right? That's for everybody else. We're like, let's give, let's hook my girl up. No, come on. That change that mentality, do it together, and it will be explosive. I just know it. I just know it. Oh, I like that. We talk all That's great. That's great. Oh, Stacey. Oh, sorry. Can you hear me? <laughs> sorry. Yeah, I got you. Sorry, I had to go off camera. I got an unstable connection here, but I, I wanted to jump in on this point if I could, because you have to think about, you know, you ask about cash and you think about access to capital. Look, you, you've got 50 women here that are running over a million dollar businesses. And I got to tell you, the fit, those 50 women are networked period. The, we are we are networked and we have connections. So we have either established banking relationships, we've got access to angel investors, we've got access to venture capitalists, we've got access to different types of funding streams. When you bring that collection together, that resource together, um, there's a lot of power there. And that's what the Bow Collective is about, is how can we leverage all of our resources to be successful together? 
And to, to Nick's point, we're, we're not individuals. I, I don't think I've been in a meeting, a conversation, uh, an event where someone hasn't said, how can I help you? Um, and that's powerful. Uh, so, you know, I'm very excited to see us working together. Um, many have done it before, and I'm just so proud of Nick for seeing this and bringing this to fruition for us. So, Awesome. Awesome. So it just goes back to the power of relationships, winning championships, the network, being a part of the collective. You have over 50, you know, strong, powerful uh, women within entrepreneurship and business that have resources of their own that they use in a pot of using each other, almost like a potluck. Everybody brings something great into the potluck so we can eat, you know, for that's good for us. So um, I think that is dope and, yes. and that's important. That's how you can help collectively help push people into uh, getting to that next tier just in business. So you have someone that goes and, you know, sees the opportunity of a seven-figure government contract and understands how to calculate all the expenses and budget that come with that. And they submit in their proposal and they get awarded, but they don't have that finance and they can tap back into the resources that they're collecting and say, hey, this is what I have a multi-million dollar contract, but I need assistance uh, with financials so I can you know, pay payroll and, and take care of that responsibility. And that's where a team comes in and support that entrepreneur, support that business owner to help them grow. And that is the most important part that it's the resource, it's not just money. If you have a plan, if you have a will, then there's a way. And if you have a plan, then that's perfect as well because you don't, it doesn't always just take money to make something happen. It takes something like being a part of a collective or having that relationship to reach out to people that have resources that you don't have and align them and leverage them. And everybody wins that way too. That's a good point. One thing I wanted to ask just before we hop off, I know we're already literally at our time, but uh, we talked about advocacy and uh, we wanted to ask a little bit about advocacy in terms of the going after government contracting opportunities, but just advocating for more access to opportunities and uh, more opportunities for women and uh, well, minority black women, um, all businesses in this space. I think um, so. I just finished serving. I had a presidential appointment um, for the National Women's Business Council. Um, that is the quintessential government advocacy group for women in business. I will say that I've heard lots of different stories um, from different women in business and, and challenges. And it, it really is just the power of, you know, having your voice be heard. Um, as business owners, and I, and I do coaching, the biggest um, trap that you can get into is working for your business. Um, you know, I, I, I'm in there. I'm, if I'm an IT specialist, I'm doing the IT. If I'm a hairstylist, I'm doing the hair. You have to learn how to figuratively and literally step from behind the chair and do your own advocacy work. You have to sit on these boards. You have to go to these meetings. You know, people use networking as a bad word, but if people don't know you, they can't grow you. And I just made that up, actually. I think that was great. But if they don't know you, they can't they can't be vested in you. Right. And, and I learned this early with my first business as, the, as at a hair salon. And I learned 
learned a bad lesson because I was behind the chair. I didn't do hair, but I was behind the desk. I was, I was washing towels. I was serving tea. I was doing facials, but I never got out and advocated for myself. I never left in enough time to go to a political fundraiser. I never left in time to go sit on a board and say, hey, let get to know other people who have influence. And I lost that business and I had no one to really help me say, hey, this, you know, she's been uh, uh, 10 years in the game here, Florida, North Capitol. I go there now. I mean, there's all kinds of new businesses and buildings and so forth. And so once you see that that is such a, a critical um, part of the hats that you wear is your own, be your own advocate, advocate and have people speak your name. Have them speak your name when you're not in that room, because that's when the decision, if you can't be in the room where it happens, homage to Hamilton, if you cannot be in the room where it happens, you need somebody that's in the room that's advocating for you. And it is a tremendous, it's more important than your technical proficiency is more important than the capital is making sure you have those relationships that will navigate all of the other things that come your way as an entrepreneur. Uh, I don't know, like, Nicole is hitting every single point that I've ever seen. Am I hitting all the, your nerves, girl? Am I stepping on all the nerves? <laughs> Every every last one, every single last one. And I know Shakia feels exactly the same way. Hamza feels the same way because between the three of us, I feel like we spend so much time, especially for 2021, 2022. Like I some days don't know what's happening, you know, who's being hired for what company. But what I do know is when re-election is, what I do know is what time you know, they might be having some meeting or some town hall, whatever. So my last question for you, because I really need the audience to understand the importance. For those businesses that they want to impact their community, they know what their business idea is, they know their technical capabilities, they're a one-man, one-woman show. I always like to stick to that narrative because our audience is still within that confinement a little bit, right? They're a one-man, one-woman show, and they're running everything, right? How important it is, is it for them to attend events that are essentially about, like, the government space, where it's the councilwoman, the congressman, the mayor? The, how would you stress that um, to them? We stress it all the time, but when it comes to political figures, and, of course, you know, Stacey can respond as well, how important is it as a business owner to be really in tune with your local politicians? So great question. I heard a, a couple a couple of things came up for me. Um, one thing I learned on the council that was very uh, and I and I and I said it before, but it bears repeating that ninety percent of business owners are solopreneurs. Um, the reason that that is a problem, that's something we need to change, just hire one person. You want to be a job creator. In addition, now, a lot of people 
play fast and loose with it. It's like, oh, I got, you know, I'm a solo, but I got 90 independent contractors. No, you need to go on record, pay your taxes so that you can go to those fundraisers and say, oh, I employ this many people. I paid for your fundraiser. I need more money, access to more money so that I can hire more people. That's a that's an argument. That's a strategy, right? That's a strategy. Now we see like you don't want to be hustling and you definitely can't be hustling as a government contractor. So you have to do the both. And you are an entrepreneur. It's in your spirit. You don't do just one thing, but I want to plant in every the seed in everyone is how can I hire? And I understand that it takes capital. I really, I do understand that. But I believe if you go, so we'll stay in the federal contracting or government contracting space. I believe, you know, apply, write those proposals, get those proposals written for the 1 million, have the vision that you are going to get it and then get the people later, get the people and the money later. Because after you get a contract approved, there will be a CDFI or a bank or somebody that'll be like, oh, she's about to get a million dollars and she needs to start this work tomorrow. We're going to get that money, put a little fee on it. And there you have it. But if you wait until you're ready, you'll never begin. If you wait until you have it, you'll never scale. You'll never scale because you're trying to be too conservative. So I say you all have hearts of entrepreneurs. The way you scale is go after that contract, write that proposal, invest in that writer if it's not you, and then get that win and go get the people. Yeah, this is, this is where we got to pass the offering basket on that one. We definitely uh, have to pass the offering basket. I'm ready to put something in it. You and I, Nicole, I would say this to the audience. When Nicole said can speak immensely to my situation, I'm, I'm in a situation right now that if I'm awarded this contract, I do not have the capital you know, I don't have $11 million just sitting in the bank account on the side of the road. I wish I did. Right. And so like, I don't have that capital, but I went after a proposal based off of like, when I get it, these are the 30 bodies that I'm going to put in role, interview them, paid for the ads, got the resumes together, went after it. And then another tip for our viewers is there are eight, there are, uh, lenders that focus on what we call factoring, and it's not a long-term solution fee, right? You have to look into it where government contracting factoring, it's not based, and again, I always like to pay attention to the audience. Our audience are solopreneurs that are probably worried about their credit, worried about their finances, right? So to bring you guys a little bit of reality, you can use government contracting factoring that will focus on the credit of the agency that you are working with, okay? So they will add their fee, like Nicole said, they, they gonna add their fee because they gotta get paid. But they will make sure that you get the, there, if, if $11 million, they're gonna be like, uh, we will find you the money, right? Can I just they say this too? You don't, it, it, yes, full stop with yes on factoring. But if you have, if you've kept your credit good, I cannot express, that enough, keeping your credit good as you can. Um, but 
find research different banks because there are especially in the DMV area there are a lot of banks that focus on the government contract and I know Stacy wants wants to add to that okay okay well but I but yeah, I, I was a couple of things I was oh, oh sorry go ahead Nick no go ahead go ahead okay <laughs> Sorry, again, this unstable connection. So I don't mean to step on anybody. A couple of things you asked about, um, you know, if you should pay attention to political parties and what's going on. I would say in within the DMV, and especially if you're doing government contracting anywhere, yeah, you have to pay attention because what's going on uh, with the government is determines what, how they're going to spend the money and what what their interests are. So you have to pay, if you're, in, if you're doing government contracting, you have to pay attention to that. Because if you follow the presidential budget, you'll understand what's important to them just by following the money. Um, so that's, and all of that flows down into your local. As Nick had mentioned, um, with, you know, uh, uh, how many people are you are employing. I can tell you time and time again that it has always been about job creation. How many jobs are you creating in my county, in my state? It's always about the numbers. Um, when you begin to talk in terms of job creation, that's when you begin to get interest. Um, as far as factoring, Keep your credit good. If you keep your credit good, you'd be surprised at what you can do, especially right now when the interest rates are still low. Um, factoring comes at a premium. It, it, before you try, before you go factoring, what I would recommend is you go to a bank and get a line of credit based on your receivables. It's very similar to factoring, but it doesn't have all of those fees. So when your receivables come into the bank, it pays down your line of credit. Does exactly the same thing, but it's with the bank and it doesn't have crazy fees on it. Do that first. If you can't get it, then you have an alter then you have an alternative. Yeah. That was one of the recommendations also is the amount of funding opportunities. I think the issue for us is our audience gets so scared when they see an RFP or they see an opportunity, they're like, well, I don't have these people yet, or I don't have these resources. And it's so hard to move someone out of the, we'll figure it out. Like, <laughs> we'll like shift your mindset and what, instead of saying, I don't have it, instead, let's identify what do I need to get it? Then write those down and those are the things we'll attack after we're awarded. We'll put a 10 day you know, hold after award and we'll say within 10 days, we need to be able to staff these people, get the insurance together, get the you know, like benefits. Do we need a benefits plan? Do we need this insurance type? All these things will happen within 10 business days and then we can move, right? And so I feel like mm -hmm. financing shouldn't, stop anybody from going after a government contract. If anything, it's like, we will figure it out later. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more, Chris Lee. And it's an entrepreneurial mindset. Go win the work and you'll figure it out. Yes, that's, that's, that's less of one of the 
uh, you know, one of the things about just being great is sometimes, you know, you just have to get started and you have to just do it and fix everything along the way and success loves speed. So it's not about having all the T's and crossing I's dotted because, you know, you trying to cross all the T's and make sure everything perfect opportunities went past like a thousand times. And sometimes it takes to just go ahead and jump well, out while you're figuring every. Oh, go ahead. While you're figuring everything out, your com your competition is already bidding all this, all the work that you're letting go by. Absolutely. That uh, what what Stacy just said. Um, again, going back to the council, we were uh, we had a forum on STEM women in STEM business. I know we're over. I know, just cut my, cut my mic, but um, but they talked about women in the sciences and how these girls, they love science all until they got to college. And then they got their first like C. And instead of continuing and getting the major in chemistry with that C, she internalized that that was not an A and she totally dropped out um, and did not fester on. Meanwhile, her male counterpart is like, thank you, Lordy, for the C going on. And, and it is a mindset that, you know, sometimes it's not an entrepreneurial mindset that I have to have all this and I don't have, that's not it. The entrepreneurial mindset set is I was given a vision. I was given a vision to do this thing. And that's where your faith meets the facts is that mm -hmm. I don't need to know what tomorrow is. And I can't, here's the thing, Chrisley, you talked about people being afraid of that 11 million because they don't, they don't believe they'll be able to fund it. Um, you're a fundamentally different business with different resources once you have an $11 million contract. Your asset game is totally different. It's not the same. You have an asset. And as Stacy said, there will be banks that that's like, that's secure. So even maybe your credit is not this or whatever, but if they see 11 million is coming in, you're a different person. So, so speak to your future, not your present existence. Yes, today I don't, but tomorrow I will. And just keep pushing out into what that future aspect of your business will be. And because that's what they've done. Look, I've studied them. I, I love these ladies. I happen, I, I slid on in there, but I study them and I listen to them and their, their narrative is the same. They believe in themselves. They have, go and watch our podcast, The Bonos Business. These women, they believe in themselves. They are hungry. They have a mindset of excellence. It's, it's powerful. And so I've never met anybody that has gotten anything that didn't believe in themselves. So that's what I Absolutely. would do with your audience. And, I, and I'm so proud of what you guys are doing. Keep doing it. Before you leave, before you leave, please let everybody know how to get your book, CEO of My Soul. Well, first, I want them to know my Bow sisters. I would be, I, I am such a, a, a fangirl. Go to our website, thebowcollective.org. Sign up, become a member. You're going to be able to see their great stories. They're doing their podcast interviews. They're sharing 
these stories that we've done today because mm -hmm. they want to scale your business. That's the first thing. And then thank you, my friend. I would say it checks in the mail, but this is a government contract show, <laughs> so I cannot say that. But I appreciate you pumping my little old book, CEO of My Soul. It is on Amazon. It is my my heart uh, and soul, but it is the story of an entrepreneurial spirit that you keep getting up. You know, no battle, no war is won with one battle. You just keep getting up, keep fighting and focus on the finish. And, and that is, that's what my life has been about. Awesome. Awesome. Stacey, you have any parting words for us in the audience? No. I would just say thank you all for what you're doing. I mean, this is great. Nick, thanks for having me here with you today. This is wonderful uh, and always a learning experience. And if there's ever connect with me on LinkedIn, anybody who's listening, if I can help, I will. Um, and thanks again for having us here today. I'm going to drop your LinkedIn in the chat now. So you will, this is also on YouTube. So you'll start getting random email, I mean, uh, LinkedIn requests, but they'll usually let you know where they come from. But yes, thank you both so much. Uh, it has been such a great podcast episode for us. We wanted to really introduce the importance of collaboration and working together and being able to grow together. And I feel like this conversation transcended that and it really it, like you look you poured into our soul today um so as an entrepreneur it really provided some additional outlook into seeing how women who are at the top 0.05 percent um are actually advocating for themselves connecting together to build opportunities and create opportunities for everyone else so thank you ladies so much for joining us to our uh, to our audience we really appreciate y'all. They were going in the chat, like talking about, I love this episode, this information so useful. Uh, the, this conversation was, they call it a high level conversation. <laughs> um, so definitely a really good episode. So excited to um, be here and share this information with you guys. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. I am signing off. I'm Shakia Kegler with the Government Coins Podcast. Hey, everyone. I am Chris Lee Gant here, also with the Government Coins Podcast. And I am Hamza Sabri, the last Mohican of the Government Coins Podcast. And this was a dope episode. I'm definitely going to watch the uh, replay on YouTube. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm getting my copy of CEO of My Soul. I'm going to get a few copies to pass them out. Facts. We're, you know right. what? We'll pass them out. Maybe we'll do some at, the, um, at one of our government tours uh this summer oh yeah, and you are right outside of dc and we'll be in dc we'll talk we'll talk definitely because yeah. we can probably get some of the both sisters on a panel to come oh, out and yes i would love to meet you in person yeah. too. I, I whatever you guys need we're so grateful to you thank you for sharing your platform with us today absolutely chris lee she be coming through reminding us of what's going on <laughs> We do so much. It's just, but yes. Ending the live stream now. We love y'all. We'll see y'all. Share this episode uh, with anyone that you know needs this information and we'll see y'all in the next episode.